Hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to, to LaughBox. LaughBox, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And now, here's your host, Chip Lutz. Here we are, ready for another action-packed episode of Laugh Box. I hope this episode finds you well, healthy, with everything that you need. Uh, here in this house, we're choosing joy. Matter of fact, I can't think of anything more joyful than being sequestered with me. I'm not sure my wife feels the same, but I like my company. Um, within our organization, we are really good at being inclusive. I think that's one of the hallmarks of AATH. But you know as well as I do that it's not the same in most organizations. Most organizations are kind of stuck back in the 60s, maybe the 70s. Well, my guest this week, Lisa Konecki, she is the inclusion ally. She shares some great tips on how you can help your organization move into the 21st century. Um, I hope you like it as much as I did. Um, Cheers. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is Chip Lutz, the unconventional leader. And today, I get to talk to another Wisconsinite, somebody I think is pretty cool. I get to listen. I talk to. I get to talk. I got blah blah blah. I get to talk to Lisa Konecki. What's funny is that you know I'm trying to get uh, words out of my mouth, but I can't get them out. So I'm going to let her talk and uh, let you tell you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Chips. Cheers. This is exciting. Um, I am Lisa Kennecke. Excited to be here. And, you know, it is a wonderful spring day here with snow on the ground, but it's going to leave soon. And um, I could talk about myself. You want me to just keep yeah, going? Yeah, I want you to share a little bit about you. Let's talk about Lisa, the, the, the woman behind the, the legend. The behind the legend, which is great. Um, I let's see, I'm a born and bred cheesehead, and mint makes me sneeze. And I let's see, I was a camp mint, director. Mint makes me sneeze. I think yep, that, mint. Uh, I've yep. never heard anybody say that ever on the podcast. Yeah. Or otherwise, that's that's an interesting factual tidbit. I like that. Thank you. That was my humor in you know when I write my proposals and my interesting facts. So yeah, I sneeze once and that's it. It's kind of interesting. Mint makes um, And so I was a camp director for 20 years for the YMCA and for Girl Scouts, then a school counselor for 12 years, middle and high school. Currently, I am a counselor educator uh, for a local university. I don't know if I can say that. I don't care what you say. I'm going to say Lakeland University here um, out of Sheboygan, but I teach at the Madison Center and I'm training the next generation of school counselors, uh, best gig in the world. And I'm also trying to start my little speaker business of which yet to be named. I know I'm an inclusion ally, but I do a lot of uh, diversity, equity and inclusion work and just trying to bring it through the lens. Uh, my expertise is in LGBT issues, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender issues. However, 
not everyone's going to pay for gay. So I'm going to open it up and, you know, I'll be the, the funny gay. In fact, um, when you had this podcast, I was like, if I ever had a podcast, I might name it, You Can't Catch Gay. Oh, I like the whole, you can't, people aren't going to pay for gay. So I, I, I think that's hilarious, but um, <laughs> that's, that's good stuff right there. Um, Thanks. Yeah. And you can't catch gay. I like that as well. Well, I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, what you do as an inclusion ally and what that looks like and, you know, uh, you know, helping people understand uh, uh, different things. But before we get into our conversation, I'm just yep. going to ask you a random question. Has Love it. Has nothing to do with um, what we're going to be talking about. All right. So, Lisa, um, they're making a movie about you, your life. Yep. yep. Who's going to play you? Queen Latifah. Absolutely. Except she's not white. So um, then I would probably go to uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Well, all right. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard with the Queen Latifah thing at the very beginning. So, uh -huh. yeah. All right. Good deal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, being an inclusion ally. I mean, because um, when we were talking a little bit, I was really curious as to, you know, what that looks like. What is that? You know, what do you go out and do? How, yeah, share a little bit with me. Yep. Absolutely. Great question. So for me, a lot of the talk out in the world is diversity and usually because it's it's a term that is used like bullying and you know anxiety and those kind of things usually when you hear the word diversity you just think about race mm -hmm. and so i want to have people think bigger and broader than that and the way that it works for me is to think about inclusion and eventually we want to get to belonging that would be fantastic um, but as things are ebbing and flowing it's like okay let's just start with inclusion because you can have different people working together but if you don't respect their voices their thoughts their abilities then you might not have inclusion and so the analogy that i might use would be that you have a glass of, of milk because we're from Wisconsin. So go dairy farmers and a glass of white milk. If you pour in the chocolate syrup in there and you can see the syrup on the bottom, we've all done that when we were kids, that's diversity. But if you mix the syrup in with the milk, that's inclusion. So, you know, or it could be, you know, a gin and tonic, which is my drink of choice as well. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a vodka tonic guy. So that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Right. You know, so, the difference there is that they're both white, but you get the idea. Right. So, uh, is drinking it then belonging? I mean that, cause I, I'm, a, <laughs> well, no, I'm curious uh, the difference because you said, you know, right. we, you know, we'll eventually get to belonging, but I don't, I don't know what the difference is. What is, what's the difference there? Well, the difference would be that the chocolate milk actually would feel comfortable being a part of your meal, which is interesting because chocolate milk really doesn't go with a whole lot of meals. Hence the reason I use that analogy as well. So, you know, you have to think about what is it going to look like? And, you know, and again, this is not that I've written a dissertation on this, but I could go way, way in depth, but I don't need to. So you need to start with the inclusion of, you know, making sure that 
people are feeling comfortable with what they're going to say and you know whether it's an employee or a family member or whatever it might be that they are they are there for a reason and then the belonging comes after that so it is not just having you know we're going to talk about um lgbt issues in june because it's pride month it's you know do you celebrate do you include and are the folks who identify as lgbt do they feel like they belong all year round do you mm -hmm. have gender neutral bathrooms that kind of thing so in what you're saying, it made me think a little bit on uh, what you said as far as like people feeling comfortable on the, in the conversation with people that may be a little bit different from them. Right. Because I think that, you know, uh, I don't know, like from my perspective, I'm, I'm okay with anybody. I don't really, I don't really care. I, I like and dislike pretty much everybody the same. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I could see where if you were, you didn't know about a certain group of people, you might have a little bit of trepidation on, you know, approaching them or talking to them for fear of saying the wrong thing. Correct. And I think a lot of that has to do, for my example, in my world, it would be that pronouns are getting more popular as more people are identifying it as transgender. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm a 51 year old woman of white privilege as of the date of this, you know, recording right now. And it's different. And I'm a 51 year old male of white privilege. Hey, there you go. Right on. <laughs> And so how, how I look at things might be different than a millennial or even the generation who went before me and blazed the trails. And so there are different ways of looking at how those ebb and flow. And sometimes in the world of diversity, when you think about that, so I'll have a chief diversity officer and we'll put someone of color in there because then we've checked that box and that may or may not be the best thing to do. You know, it's funny when you were talking about the pronouns is that uh, this was a fairly new concept to me uh, five years ago when my son was going to school and he came home mm -hmm. and shared with me that uh, somebody in his dorm room, he referred to um, the person as they, and I was like, they, what do you mean? Well, and he explained to me, well, they don't, they don't uh, uh, see themselves as male or female, they're they, and I was like, I, I told him, I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. And he uh -huh. was like, he was like, well, you just can't fit or you try to fit everything in your own little box. And I told him, right. I said, no, you just can't go through life making up your own rules. I mean, you, uh -huh. you know, it's you're a he or a she or an it. You can't be a plural. And uh -huh. um, he schooled me, you know, as far as things. And it was a, it was one of those things where in five years we've come a long way on understanding that. But I still think that there's some confusion, um, you know, and so, like I said, some trepidation on people as far as like, I don't know what to say. Do I automatically introduce myself with my pronouns or just am I, you know, am I just who I am? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think that that is, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to help people with. It's not that I, as Lisa Kennedy, want to catch you or, you know, tisk you. I'm going to be, the, I'm going to catch you and then I'm going <laughs> to chastise you. You will know these yeah. things. Right. No, I don't want to do that. And again, you know, I have a master's in counseling, so I'm kind of a nice person from that vantage point too. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those where, again, I love speaking to groups who have these questions because sometimes it's easier talking to, you know, the funny white lesbian than it may be somebody who 
doesn't look like them and, and that that sounds horrible but i'm just trying to say that no but that makes it's it's i think it's in some ways less threatening to people that they're correct. from somebody that kind of looks like them versus mm -hmm. somebody that doesn't look like them and they're telling them something that they don't understand right and eventually when i do get my videos up on my website you know the other example that i have is when you see lisa from behind i have short hair and you know i'm a big person and so i get called sir a lot and then i turn around and then they're like oh their eyes pop out of their head and they're like sorry and i was like yep i'm a girl with short hair so that's kind of my education with them and you know with the pronouns getting back to the they and i actually wrote a blog about this um in fact it was the word of the year i think last in 2019 and added to the dictionary as one of the most looked up words and it is especially i have friends who are you know grammatically correct gram grammarians whatever you might call them and they're like that doesn't work and it was like who am i to say what someone else wants to identify as. I don't mm -hmm. want you to put labels on me, so I'm not gonna put labels on someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a kid when I was in middle school who wanted to be a mermaid, and that was fantastic. And I was like, teach me about the mermaid culture. That's, um, <laughs> you <laughs> Sorry, got me off guard on, loop there. You're, uh, the, the whole mermaid thing. Uh, but on, <laughs> you know, people thinking, you know, call you sir, I've never shared this with anybody on the podcast or otherwise. When I was in middle school, I had uh, long hair, I was kind of short, and um, uh, I was plump. And uh, we had uh, we did not have co-ed gym classes. And I remember being in social studies and a girl asking me, um, hey, what are we doing in gym class today? And I was like, I don't know, I'm a boy. And uh -huh. so it was, uh, I just want to make sure that you knew you weren't alone. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> my, my fellow non-binary person, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I don't even think I've shared that story with my wife. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to share that with her later. Thank you so, for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, we're in share mode here. You know, actually, I'm just kind of in learn mode because I think that, like, from my perspective, like, I don't think I live an insulated life um, because I travel a lot and I meet a lot of different people and I'm open to meeting new people. But yep. there are times in my life where I hear something or I see something, I realize how insulated my life really is. Mm -hmm. I think uh, tethering back to what you were saying before a little bit because, you know, we're naturally drawn to people that kind of are like us, look like us, talk like us. Yep. And so, you know, you know, going from what you're saying, when people can receive your message because you, you know, you, you look like them, you talk like them and so forth, you know, so um, I would think that in some ways, if we really want to understand, it really kind of would require us to get outside our comfort zone a little bit more. And, and to be, exactly, and to be receptive to that. Um, in doing research for a presentation that I have coming up, you know, it's talking about, you know, the employees. And so the younger people who are coming in, they're like, okay, so what, uh, what do your policies look like? What does your company shake out? What does your board of directors look like? Um, and I'm a big fan of policies, you know, and so here's what you say you do. Are you really going to do that? And something that really made me think too, is that going back to checking the box, you know, do I want to in an interview, hire someone who has similar, the similar educational level that I do. So, you know, someone who has a um, post, some whatever it's going to be, mm -hmm. um, degree and or, you know, 
Is their ability the same as mine? Do they speak the same language? Do we have the same dialect? And, you know, in doing the research, if you want a more inclusive company, when you sit down and have the interview with a person, you, this sounds rude and crude, but you don't ask the person, you know, what did you do this weekend? Because you want it to be similar to what you've done. And it's like, oh, you know, we do the white middle-class things. We go to the grocery store, we take our kids to the soccer game. Well, what if they don't have kids? Mm -hmm. And so if you can do kind of more of a blind interview on some of the questions, you may have a better qualified candidate. Interesting. Now, mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you're saying as far as like when younger people are coming to the workforce. Yep. Do you think that there is um, uh, like a viewpoint difference between people our age and say people that are 18 to 25 on uh, diversity and inclusion? Because the way, uh, like when my son came out and, you yep. know, in high school and he's 27 now, so this is 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the kids that he went to school with were pretty cool. I mean, they, you know, he started a gay straight alliance. It was, you know, it, uh, he had people that came to it and so forth. And so it, it, they, were, they were a lot cooler than the kids that I would have gone to school with who would have right. you know, beat the shit out of me. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's the, the correct, yes, and it is a generational thing. So I graduated high school in 1987. I grew up and it was not okay to be gay where I grew up. I had no role models or anything like that. And that's in my TED talk. And my sister had to tell me I was gay. Hmm. Okay. I was 27. <laughs> oh yeah. That's really oh, yeah. funny. My sister, yep. my, I didn't know. My sister told me. So I just, <laughs> it's really at Thanksgiving funny. dinner. And then she said, please pass the carrots. And I was like, okay, here's the carrots. And I started bawling. Yeah. True story. Huh. Oh, and that's, that's an awesome story, by the way. It is an awesome story. And, and I think that, you know, the generation behind us, they have more role models. They have more um, freedom. You know, they have more um, laws that are favoring them versus, mm. you know, us. And it was even worse for the generation before us, if that makes sense. So, sure you know, every generation, I think it gets a little bit better for, you know, the LGBT population. And now the struggle is going to be, it's like, okay, you know, gay is kind of the passe and, oh yeah, whatever. And now the new thing is going to be, all right, here are the transgender rights. And we are going to see way more, um, students in school we're going to see way more parents transitioning and to me that's going to be the big thing that the workforce is going to have to be ready for mm -hmm. um or they're going to be losing um a great deal of talent how do they get ready for that because i think what that a there's a question hire well, lisa kennecke <laughs> well but I, that's a great answer thanks <laughs> but i think that there there's probably not only a learning curve but uh, like a cycle that's like anything that you, you go through. It's mm -hmm. um, a, a, desensitiza a desensitization and then an acceptance. And then it becomes where it's not a big deal anymore. Kind of like, right. all right. So the way I kind of look at it is that uh, when Ellen De uh, DeGeneres first had her show on TV and yep. it was really wildly popular sitcom and then she came out and they canceled yep. it. All right. Uh, because the society, you know, it, it was just too much of a shock for them at that time. But then yep. a few years later, as we got desensitized to things, you know, then uh, Will and Grace came out and it was, you know, being gay wasn't a big deal. It was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. Right. Yep. And that, you know, that 
as we get, uh, and I think the same thing would ring true with an organization as they have to get, you know, like get used to things, but I, I would think they would need to like get used to things a lot faster than they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think a lot of it comes down to the training of what you're saying and it has to, and, and so I was in, you know, public education for a long time. And so if the superintendent said it, you know, it was a trickle down effect or you had the other way where it's like, okay, the teachers, the community, they're like, this is what's best for kids. And so it would be a grassroots effort coming up. And I think that there needs to be a little bit of both. I think that when you're looking at, if you want your company to grow, and if you really want to think about your customers, you're going to have all sorts of people who are out there, not even those who just identify as transgender, but it's interesting when I call a plumber, to come to our house. You know, I have to, I can gauge on the other end of the phone, whether that plumber is going to be comfortable when I say my wife. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we live near Madison, Wisconsin, and we had to do research on the community we wanted to live in because even as 50 year old women of white privilege, we weren't sure what that was going to be like. And I think that, you know, the generation coming behind me and us is looking at I want to, whether even I identify as transgender or not, I want this company to be inclusive for folks who do, similar to your son, you know, joining, um, starting the GSA, et cetera. Mm. So, wow, I think I went off on a lot of different tangents there. Well, no, I mean, it's something that say, like for me, like I said, living an insulated life, living, you know, uh, an average white boy life, something Mm -hmm. I don't really think about, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I want to live here. I'm just going to live here. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. really have to think about it. The fact, you know, some of, I, I don't have to think about some of the things that other people might think about because I, I live in this other world. And I think that the more, you know, like you gave me a realization of something that I never would have thought of before. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more, uh, the more discourse we have on items like that, I think it, it, the more, um, the better off we all are because I, I would never have thought that you would have had to do that. Right. And, you know, and that is the realization. It's not that, you know, I don't want to, you know, put a flag out that says, whoa, whoa is me. Mm -hmm. It's the now I am here and I can educate all of our neighbors on the fact that, oh, you know, the girls are there. And, you know, the coolest thing was having our neighbor put up a rainbow flag in her yard so that she could teach her middle school boys about the symbolization and you know how to be an ally. And to me, it was like, whoa. I mean, that was way cool of how that worked. That is cool. Well, I think that I think the more you know people as people, the less the, uh, the less anything that separates us is really an issue. Yeah. Like, I, I look at like from growing up in the Navy. Um, I grew up during don't da- don't ask don't tell. Um, right. But I worked with some people that I knew were gay, but it yeah. never really it didn't make any difference to me because they were just great people to work with. I mean, Mm -hmm. like anybody, you know, like if they were a shitty person, I wouldn't give me what they did outside of the office. I wouldn't care about Right. But they Mm -hmm. were just great people. And, you know, so we've, you know, within the military, there's always this like, well, we can't have this. We can't do that. But I think if you ask most of the people in the military, nobody really gives a shit what other people do, you know, as far as their uh, sexual uh, orientation. I mean, as long as, you know, they're, you know, they're working alongside you doing what they need to do, because that's, you know, we're all trying to get along and, you know, and get someplace. Right. Um, and uh, like, you know, and so I was at an event, um, actually it was in Madison. I was with a military group uh, getting ready to deploy. 
And there was a woman there that was fairly senior and she had her wife with her. And, you know, I was sick in that, you know, for most of her, you know, like life in the Navy, that portion of her life um, had to be um, a secret. You know, she couldn't, you know, bring her um, wife to Navy, you know, military events because it was against policy. But we've turned that corner and that yep. there, you know, and I'm sure everybody that she worked with, you know, knew that she, you know, uh, was in a, a same sex relationship, but they didn't care. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. but now it could be uh, um, really could be more inclusive because we we've turned that corner within the military. And I think it's interesting uh, with go, your... uh, tether back what you're saying policy wise, you know, personal right. wise, you know, I don't think anybody really cared. But policy wise, you know, we're just like, all right, we can do this now. Let's you know, nobody, nobody cares. But to people outside the military, like, wow, well, we can't do that. Well, you know, you're not in the military, so you really don't know what the culture's like. So shut the hell up. Right. You know, and it's so interesting on the military side of things, um, the first house that I lived in, um, I had a Marine next door and was scared shitless, you know, moving in. And um, when we when we pulled up, um, you know, he was in the um, driveway drinking a beer and, you know, big Marine flag and all this stuff. And I was like, shit, we didn't do our research before that, but, you know, pulled up. And, and I said, what are you drinking? He said, anything that's cold. And I was like, all right, I'll be over. And so, you know, we had that bond of, we just like cold beer. And later on, I had a conversation with him and he said, it's so interesting because when I'm back now, he was deployed. And then when he came back, it's like, yeah, you are a lesbian. You live next to me. And that's who I fought for. And so in the military, I mean, you're, you're fighting for people who look like you, who people who don't look like, like, like you, people who hate war, you know, it's just, it's, it, it can be such an oxymoron to be able to say, why are you doing this? And so I always, always, always thank anyone who has ever served in the military because whether they like the gays or not, you know, you're giving us our freedom too. So. Whether you like the gays or not. Yep. That's really that just sounded funny to me. So, um, um, cause you can't catch a gay. I, 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 that, that is probably, I think one of the best podcast titles I would, I would listen to that. Um, yeah. Okay. I should probably go out and get that. Should, then. Yeah, don't probably just do it. Just, you know, do it. I like that. Now Excellent. let's, uh, shift a little bit because I think that like your work in uh, public schools really, uh, in the school system and as a counselor is really interesting to me because I'm sure yep. that you've had a lot of kids that have, you know, come along and probably confided in you, uh, confided stuff in you that they hadn't with, even with their parents. Correct. Yep. And the biggest story, um, and again, I'll go back to my Ted talk, um, is I had, this changed my life. It was my second year as a middle school counselor. And again, suburban Madison, um, kid walks in, seventh grader, says to me, Miss Kennecke, it's easier pretending to be a boy in this town than it is to be gay. So a student obviously was born female, but was like, I'm just going to pretend to be a boy because being a lesbian wasn't, you know, in that student's vocabulary or anything like that. And I was like, whoa, I... I'm a fraud. I have not done my due diligence as a role model to this kid to say it's okay to be a lesbian, to be who you are. Mm. Um, and, you know, at that time I was 40 years old, what, was still a white woman of privilege. And I was like, I need to come out to my students. But I was afraid that I was going to lose my job. 
And so it's just, it's a crazy world out there, but yeah, helping the students is what it's all about. That's so interesting that, you know, that, that worry for you, because in some ways, I mean, like um, you, like I would look at it is that, you know, what would, what would be the big deal? I mean, do they need to know? Do they not need to know? As long as your junior job as a counselor, but taking mm-hmm. it from that other aspect of being a role model, I mean, that's a completely different um, uh, viewpoint that I hadn't really considered because I would mm-hmm. look at it. It's like, what does it make a difference if you come out to your students or not? As long as you're doing your job as a counselor, but mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, that standpoint, yeah, it, it really does make it, it would make a difference. It did. And, you know, it's interesting because I was also the president of our state school counseling association and I had to determine in, you know, on my little stoop, was I going to be out or wasn't I going to be out? And so I decided this was 2013, 2014. So we're talking seven years ago. That's not, that's know? not, that was like yesterday to me. Right. And it's like, you know, do I talk about my wife? Do I not talk about my, well, we weren't married at that point because it wasn't legal, but Mm -hmm. you know, we were in a committed relationship and same thing. Then I ran for the national school counselor board of directors and it was like, okay, am I out here or do I, (laughs) you know, do I stay in the closet for that? And I was like, nope, I need to be seen Um, and I need to be a role model. In fact, I wore a tuxedo to my last event so that school counselors who didn't fit the normal, you have to wear a a fancy dress and heels, and I'm like, that's bullshit. You know, I wore my tuxedo hoping that little kids would see that who don't fit the binary, and other school counselors would be comfortable being themselves because, again, ultimately, I think it comes down to if I can see myself if I, as a student, can see myself in that adult, or if I have, um, you know, some really good relationship with that adult, that's what keeps kids from killing themselves, is that yeah. one supportive adult. Um, I would agree with you. Uh, well, I think, you know, and just not to shift rudder too much here, but I think that, you know, it was suicide. I mean, we're, we're really fighting a ground war. It's one on, it's hand-to-hand combat, one-to-one. Mm-hmm that it's it's not about having trainings it's not about you know it's really about investing yourself in other people and so um i i like that um you you brought that out you know in 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 that part of the conversation because i i think that sometimes we think that you know we can we can throw you know throw a little uh, powerpoint at something and it solves a problem and it doesn't correct Um, so um let's uh, talk about uh, like when you're going into an organization, what are some of the things you do with them? I mean, I like mm-hmm. from my perspective, I, I always look at uh, like humor being a great equalizer with people and you yeah. are pretty, you're a pretty funny person. So I'm sure that, that helps. Um, well, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that helps on, you know, getting the message across, but what are some of the things that you do to help them understand um, uh, the whole inclusion and getting to belonging? It's very, very, that is a great question. Thanks for asking that. I actually, I kind of geek out doing research on the company before I will even submit a proposal. And so, you know, they may ask, it's like, okay, we need, I mean, the word is a DNI 
presenter, so diversity and inclusion. Some people are adding the word equity in there, which is even better, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, tell me what you're looking for, what are your goals, and um, it could you be know what, anything. I, I, what would be cool is if I made that, you know, D, you know, diversity, inclusion, uh, what was the N? And the E is, is equity. Equity, you know, if they get an R in there, I mean, they could make it like, it could be like diner. They just need to put a couple more letters in there. That would be cool. We need a diner. I, we need, we need a diner because you don't want to be, you know, you want to be at the table, not on the menu, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So ooh, I like, <laughs> I like that. That's like okay. re resources is the R that's it right there. Okay. So there, Oh, brilliant. Thank you. I have to get my book published too. So I'll, I'll, th I'll throw you a bone when that <laughs> you happens. Can, the name of the book. Welcome to the diner. There you go. Welcome to You Can't Catch Gay. Oh, I like it. Okay. You can't catch, right. gay. You can't catch gay. Welcome to yeah. the diner. All yeah, right. I'm glad we worked that day. out. Now let's go back okay. to what you do. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it is, you know, it's it's really funny. And, and this goes back to, you know, things that people of privilege, even though I'm white middle class privilege being gay, I have to look at like before I worked for Lakeland, before I worked for any of my school districts, I had to see in their policies, mission statement, whatever it was, was sexual orientation enumerated or listed out as a protected class. Because if it wasn't, then I was like, you don't care about me and you don't care about your kids. So that was a school thing. So now going back to the businesses. So I always start, I go to their website first and I always go to about us because I wanna know, you know, what are they looking to do? Because my job as a speaker, as you know this, Chip, is what problem am I going to solve? You know, I can't fix diversity and inclusion with a wave of a magic wand. I can try, mm -hmm. but it takes more than that. And so where, where do they need to start? Some people need to start with unconscious bias. Some people start, need to start with fostering an inclusive climate. Some people need to literally start with diversity 101. Okay, mm -hmm. so there's a difference between someone who is of Cuban descent versus someone who is of Puerto Rican descent, even though we still, they all may be called Latino or Latinx. Mm -hmm. So how do we take a look at that? Even though your board is all, I'm going to say this, white men, what is the diversity there? Mm -hmm. Because if they are coming from a sense of trauma where we want to... Uh, you know, I was born poor and I worked myself all the way up. Well, you had privilege because you were able to, I'm going way too deep into this. So I do research on them. I take a look at their policies. I take a look at, I also take a look at the pictures that they're representing on their website. Mm -hmm. Do they have people that are, you know, maybe differently able? Do they have someone who um, might be in a hijab? Do they have, you know, veterans, whatever it might be? So I do a lot of research. Um, well, uh, you brought up, you brought up a couple of times, the whole unconscious bias thing. Yep. <clears throat> Can you explain that a little bit to me? Yep. So unconscious bias might be that, um, Here's, I'll use a Lisa Kennecke example. I, 51 years old, when I want to learn about technology, of course, I'm going to go to a younger person. And I have done this to my niece and she doesn't like this and her husband as well. And I'll call them kids. And to me, it's a term of flattery. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you kids are so cute and young and mm -hmm. smart. And 
that is, that's actually, that's blatant. So I've said it to them, but I'm also thinking in my head, oh God, they're so young. They don't know any trials and tribulations yet. So it's that unconscious bias that I bring my my luggage, my experiences into taking a look to be able to say, um, yeah, they're going to be able to do this job or they're not. So, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe pretty much, like your preconceived notions based on exactly like, back, yep. based on factor, like your own experiences, however limited they may be, or, mm-hmm. you know, things that you may heard. And like when you were saying that made me think that, you know, we all, ha- maybe we all have some kind of unconscious bias. Like you, oh, sure. you, when you saw the Marine flag, you had like, you know, an automatic um, thought of, oh, this is what this person is going to be like. Exactly. Um, and so um, how do you get past that? You ask questions and, you know, I will a lot of times too. So I'm a big name person and I want to call people what they want to be called. Okay. Because uh, to me, that's a huge identity thing. And so if I see someone with a name tag, you know, rather than me, throwing my privilege out there and trying to um, say the name I think that, or pronounce it the way I think it should be, I'm going to ask. So mm-hmm. how do you pronounce your name? You know, and then if they say Lisa, then I feel like a complete moron. You get the idea. Right. But <laughs> I don't ask for Lisa, but um, if it's if it's a name that I'm not familiar with, then I'm going to say, oh, that's fantastic. Hello, yeah. fill in the blank name. You know, I'm Lisa. And then I might just leave it at that. So it comes down to. Lisa could be you know, Lisa. They, you know, you, I, I could be, you know, and there are Lisa. Lisas with two E's on there. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Well played, sir. It could be. I mean, you just never know. You can't make assumptions. <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. Ah, look at me. Damn it. Yep. You're right. So, um. No, the, you, that's your example. I mean, you just, yeah, I don't think you can make assumptions on, you know, that's a great ex- name, uh, example of names. Um, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, breaking it down to actually get to know people as people, having those conversations mm-hmm. versus just assuming, you know, a certain person is like uh, this. I mean, I look at it like this. I mean, there are uh, uh, straight people that um, I love. There are straight people that I hate. There are gay people that yep. I love. There are gay people that I hate. I'm pretty equal yep. opportunity because people are people. And, you know, some people are just assholes. Um, so, period. Mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference what True. they, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, how they identify. Um, right. Just, just my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, now, uh, like we were talking before, I mean, you're pretty funny. And so humor has got to be a big part of, I would think, not only connecting with people, but also in helping um like you connecting with them, but maybe helping them connect with each other to get them yep. to know each other as people. You right. know, you, you know, what are uh, some strategies you use to, you know, weave a little humor in there to help people not be afraid and maybe not, not to be afraid to have the conversations um, and yep. make mistakes. Cause I think that, you know, in the mistake, there probably could be some humor and you could laugh it off versus getting all butthurt about it. Yep. Um, and you know, some ones where you could use it to help break down barriers all the way around. So, you know, do you have some things that you do in that world? I do. Thanks for asking. In fact, um, what, one of the best things that I do is I usually start my presentation and I have a picture of a beaver up on the slideshow, right? And so you're wondering where I'm going to go with this. I'm so happy. I, you I really do wonder where you're <laughs> going to go with this. I do. <laughs> okay. So. 
Um, when I went to high school, our mascot, we were the beavers. Now I was our high school mascot. I'm outgoing. I'm very fun. You know, all those kind of things. I also, believe it or not, 1987, I was our homecoming queen. So yes, you can call me queen beaver. That's how I start my presentations. And usually there are people laughing and those kind of things. And so, so I'll go from there and I'll talk about how, um, yep, sister had to tell me I was gay. So I told you that story. I do the, um, the sir and then I turn around and then they see, you know, my chest and they're like, whoa. Um, and it, for me, and it's not that it's self-deprecating, it's more, I'm going to poke fun at myself for all things rainbow hello mm -hmm. um and i should have known that i was gay because when i was little um i played with gi joe instead of barbie i mm -hmm. uh, you know again we're getting into stereotypes but you know my favorite toy was a tractor um i hung out with all the female athletes in college still had no idea i was a camp counselor hello kumbaya touchy-feely still no clue until my sister told me interesting Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, and, th and think about humor, I, you know, it, like I said, it is that great equalizer yes. uh, between people that, you know, if I can find something to laugh about with somebody, it's, um, you know, a lot of our barriers, a lot of things that make us different just kind of go away because, you know, we, we're communing on a different level. Um, exactly. And it's funny about when your sister told you that. I remember when my son came out um, and, uh, my daughter, my daughter found out, she's like, Christian's not gay. He doesn't even know how to dress. And <laughs> uh -huh. Which was, you know, her stereotype on how things were. It was right. it's still funny to this day to me, but she sees all things as, you know, one way or another. That's, you know, yeah. it's, it's like this, it's like that. There are no shades in between. So, yep. um, very interesting. You know, I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been uh, uh, eye-opening for me in a lot of different ways. Like I said, I, I, I don't like to think I live an insulated life, but I, knew, I know that I do because I, I normally gravitate to, towards people that are like me. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I have to really work to step outside of my comfort zone to have some of those conversations. But I, I would think that, you know, that would be, um, you know, kind of, if I were you, probably part of your MO, you like, you know, like, Hey, everybody step out and step into these conversations because you can't help but learn and grow from them. And with that too, yes. And you are, you know, and I say bravo to you for doing that. You know, for me, I want you to know who Lisa Kennecke, the funny person is first. Oh, and then by the way, I'm gay. You know, that's usually how I've tried to work things because, sure. you know, I may be the only gay person that, you know, gosh, she's funny. Mm-hmm. You and you are. I will agree with that. <laughs> now, uh, if after today, people want to connect with them. They want to get them a little more Lysa. Where do they? Where do you want them to go? <laughs> they can go to <laughs> www.lysakennecke. Oh, let me spell that. L i s a k o e n is a Nancy e c k e dot com. Or I'm on LinkedIn, and that's L i s a k o e n is a Nancy e c k e on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to connect and help people. I've done consulting phone calls for people from Washington State. I've spoken in 20 states. I'd love to speak in all 50. So, you know, I'm looking at New there's Hampshire a, and Ro Rhode there, Island. There's a, uh, those are the two I haven't spoken in. I know. That's where I'm going to try and go. So you can say you've been there. All right. <laughs> and then I'll invite you. 
I no, I don't play Kate game. I'm I'm mad I'm mad at you now because you're just like I'm gonna go for oh, chip. Uh, but whatever, whatever. I don't care. Sorry. All right, Lisa. Um, now if we were really out, you know, maybe having a couple of brews, I might give you some kind of drunk dare. But since we're not, I'm just asking yeah. you random questions for my overstuff. Would you rather book, I Lisa? Can't are you uh, okay? Your game, good. And I always yeah. apologize in advance because I never know um, uh, where it's going to open to. All right, okay. Lisa. First question: Would you rather, for many years, have a ter- have terrible acne that will go away when you're 30, or for life, have a birthmark the size of a quarter in the middle of your forehead. Oh, acne, 100%. Yeah, me too. All right. Would you rather, Lisa, win a Nobel Prize for an idea you stole or become wealthy from an invention that hurts people? Whoa. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with stealing the Nobel Peace Prize because then I would apologize. All right. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that, you know, so, all right. Oh, this is a good one. All right, Lisa, would you rather have your nipple ring yanked out or have to lift 20 pounds with your nose ring? <laughs> um, I can tell you which one my wife would want. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> with, I'm going to go with the nose ring. I, I got to keep the nipple intact. Yeah. I'm, I probably would too. Cause yeah, I, I can, yeah, that just sounds, both of them sound painful. But And ouch. Yeah. And I've got sensitive nipples, so. Yeah. Um, did I share too much? Anyway, so hey, no. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show with me today. So much fun. Uh, I loved our conversation. Like I said, I learned a lot in the process. So thank you. Thanks for being open to having me on here, Chip. You are, you're an excellent moderator. <laughs> well, thank you. there you go. Lisa Konecki. I hope you liked her as much as I did. I had a great time talking to her. I mean, not only because she's a friend, she just had a lot of great information. Uh, reach out to her. I'll put all her information in the show notes so you can uh, connect with her. Uh, trying to talk her into joining the association. I've been working on it for a while. And if you're not familiar with AATH, check us out at AATH.org. And as always, this is Chip Lutz saying, we'll keep the laugh on for you. Thanks for listening to LaughBox. If you'd like to learn more about AATH, visit our website at www.aath.org or email the host at chip at unconventionalleader.com. And if you'd like to be particularly awesome, leave us a review on iTunes. And or tell your friends about how awesome the podcast is, unless you didn't think it was awesome. And then just keep it your little secret. Or tell them it was awesome and then Laugh to yourself about how you're going to be wasting an hour of their time while you're out doing something productive, like handing out heads of cabbage at a Miley Cyrus concert. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, and may the farce be with you.